7 a.m. on the West Coast. Why am I talking like this? <laughs> 10 a.m. on the East Coast. It's 3 p.m. in London, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. And in Malaysia, it's 1974. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I am not wearing pants. Hey. <laughs> Saturday night, another Saturday night. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, twitch.tv, and rumble.com slash Sheldon. That's where you will find us. And uh, thank you for popping in here. We, uh, we appreciate the views, the subscriptions, the downloads, the likes. We are also, as you know, a podcast. And our podcast goes out about a half hour after our live stream stops. It's same show, just the audio only. So if you are listening on the podcast, thank you for that. But also, if because a lot of what we do is visual, if you'd like to see what you're listening to, you can always go to rumble.com slash Sheldon, sign up for a free account, no cost at all, and uh, check out the video portion of our show. It's Toast! Hello! Good to uh, good to see you spend part of your Saturday with us here on I'm Not Wearing Pants live. And it's been a while. Yeah, we have not seen you. And by the way, for those of you who are really, really good detectives, I, I told you from the very beginning, my very first show, 121 shows ago, if nothing else, you're going to get honesty on this show. So if you have been a really good detective, you may have already noticed I'm missing a tooth. Right there. You see? It's right in the front, too. <sighs> I went to the dentist yesterday. They are working on a new tooth, but it's going to be at least a couple of weeks. So... I'm going to try and talk without moving my upper lip. Actually, since I'm from Connecticut originally, I could always put on that stiff upper accent and just keep things, uh, you know, the way it is where we talk without hardly moving our lips at all. Anyway, uh, yeah, you know, like I said, I'll always be honest with you, tell you about my life, what's going on, what's happening, and yeah, it's a long, involved story. I won't bore you with the details. But yes, I am missing a tooth. It'll be replaced in, I hope, a couple of weeks. Maybe a little longer, but we'll see. They're working on it. It's not painful. Everything is fine. I'm doing great. But it's there. So I said to the dentist, she's a wonderful, wonderful lady and um, very caring. And I said, she said, well, do you work from home? So is it not that big a deal if you don't? I said, yeah, I do work from home. Uh, it's not a big deal anyway. But I do a live stream three nights a week on camera. So it's a little weird. But I thought, I said, don't worry about it. I'm honest with my audience and I will always be. So <laughs> there you go. All right. One little lady who is not missing a tooth is Miko. And it's... Time. Miko update. <laughs> Miko 
update and you know what I've got to do one quick fix here so give me a quick second while I boom pop Miko up on the screen there she is and uh, yeah this was actually earlier today was it today I think it was today uh, we went to a city park, which is right by a uh, shopping center here in Malaysia. If you're not from Malaysia, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's a city park next to uh, Wanutama. And uh, it's a great park. It's not as big as uh, Desa Park City, which we often go to. But I actually was saying today, I, I kind of like it better because they have a, a fenced-in area where the dogs can go off-leash and interact and I'll tell you what this little lady is fast she was running around off leash there were a few other Shebas there some a whole bunch of different kind of dogs but she loves to play chase and she'll get the other dogs going after her and she'll they'll try and chase her there were some big fast dogs there and they could not catch this little girl uh, she made a new friend while she was there. Uh, this is, uh, I think Yuki was its name. Uh, this was the other, one of the other Shebas that we met while we were there. And uh, so she was, uh, yeah, there we go. She was enjoying her time with, uh, with her new friend Yuki. So <laughs> I'm hoping Nico won't get jealous. But uh, yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> That was our adventure today with uh, with Miko's update. And uh, by the way, tonight, while we were walking Miko, I found this growing live on a tree. So, of course, I had to pick it for two reasons. One is I wanted to show you on the program tonight what I found in the urban jungle food area. <laughs> But also because this is one of my favorite fruits. It's called a, well, I've heard it called a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, a sugar apple is one thing, the most common thing I've heard. But it actually is, I looked it up. Uh, it's native to the Malay Peninsula, which is where I live. Uh, the Andaman and Nicobar Islands. And uh, the greater Sunda Islands. It was introduced check this out it was introduced in prehistoric times prehistoric times this thing's been around like what since the dinosaurs well not this one but you know what i mean <laughs> it's now cultivated it's called the wax apple the java apple the semarang rose apple and in malaysia we mostly know this as jambu j-a-m-b-u it's very crunchy because of this tooth problem. I'm not going to bite into this. Later on, I'll cut it up and eat it. But it's it's really nice. It's kind of small. It's got kind of a waxy covering. You can see there on the camera. It's got this odd little part here where it grows from. And uh, yeah, it was just hanging there in a, in a jumbo tree. It's a community park, so I'm not stealing that of the neighbor's yard. But uh, yeah, I will enjoy that later. So that's that's a very long but a detailed Miko update for you tonight. <laughs> oh man, we had quite an adventure today. It was great. Wax jumbo, jumbo fruit. Very nice. All right. People are stupid.
I put that headline right up front on the thumbnail tonight because pretty much I realized when I looked at all the stuff I had collected to share on the show tonight, it was all somehow related to just how stupid or weird people can be. You know, there's so much going on politically. Australia's again turning into a ridiculous penal colony. I'm sure you've seen the, the insane insaneness that is going on in Australia. Man, to my friends that live there, I'm sorry you got to go through that crap. Back in the U.S., of course, things are beyond insane. Fortunately, a few of the <clears throat> smart, still-thinking people are still thinking and uh, not putting up with the crap going on over there. But anyway, at the end of the day, almost every article that I had chosen to share with you tonight had to do in one way or the other with people being just weird or dumb. And uh, this is among them. It's an article from uh, mames.com, believe it or not. And the headline is, People on social media being super judgmental, but they were the dumb ones. They wound up getting owned. Um, Before you pop off is the first one here. And the, it's a very beautiful uh, Victoria's Secret model. And the headline says, This Victoria's Secret model can program code in Python, C++, Java, MIPS, and Objective-C. And then somebody said, Anyone? I don't think so. Uh, somebody says, Only print Hello World. Another moron says, Yeah, she can write Hello World. What a waste. And then the actual model, Lindsay360, wrote back and said, I have 27,000 points on Stack Overflow. I'm on the iOS tutorial team for raywendelich.com. I'm the lead iOS software engineer for Rallybound, the 841st fastest growing company in the US, according to Inc. Magazine. I have a double, a bachelor's degree from Amherst where I double majored in computer science and, uh, let's see, and theater. And I'm able to live my life doing everything I love. Look at all the comments. I'm wondering why 41% of women in technical careers drop out because of a hostile work environment. Hashtag go figure. So that is the reply from this very well-educated and very beautiful Victoria's Secret model. So, trolls, watch what you say before you say it. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Truth from the veteran's mouth. Somebody made the snotty comment, said they have a problem with veterans. And the owner of the business said, I am a veteran and I own the business. I assure you, we do not. We have a problem with people like you who harass female employees of our business. It's not acceptable to make women feel unsafe and fearful at our business, and that is why you got kicked out. You need to address your predatory behavior and not try to lash out to businesses for identifying it. Yes. Yes. Sadly, I'd love to promote the business, but it's all been been blurred out and blacked out, so I, I, I can't. 
Okay. Um, somebody complaining about uh, the flag that was flown at IKEA. Uh, I think this came, yeah, Jacksonville. So this would be what, Jacksonville, Florida, probably. Yep, Jacksonville, Florida. And um, they're promoting their new store outlet there and says, uh, hey, Jacksonville, we can't wait to open our doors to you and your family. And then some moron, some nerd wrote, the American flag is supposed to be flown higher than any other country's flag here. To which Ikea, rightly so, said, hi, Stephanie, our flags are flown according to the United States Code. And then they quote it that says, when flags of two of more nations are displayed, they are to be flown from separate staffs of the same height. The flags should be of approximately equal size. International usage forbids the display of the flag of one nation above that of another nation in times of peace. U.S. Code, Chapter 1, Section 7. Thank you very much. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> oh, man. Some goofball writes here, If vaccines were healthy, you could put it on a spoon and eat it. Try it. You'll die. To which a doctor, Dr. E. Murray replied, if broccoli was healthy, you could put it in a syringe and inject it in your bloodstream. Try it. You'll die. <laughs> now there is a good reply. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, Marine my ass. Excuse the language. It's, yeah, big deal. Uh, LOL, never vaccinated, never got sick. Didn't stop me from becoming a Marine, LAMO. Here comes the hate comments. And somebody replied, quit your bull hit with an S, buddy. The U.S. military forces you to get every single vaccine. Marine my ass. Oh, man. These just go on and on. I'm not going to spend any more time on this. If you want to read the whole article, it'll be in our show notes today. And also you can check it out at memes.com. M-E-M-E-S uh, dot com. Sarah, uh, Serena Lee, you're here. Hello. Goodness, I missed your comment. Uh, Serena Lee, who said the U.S. has turned to hit with an S. <laughs> yeah, the more I, you know, I keep up. By the way, I've become extremely active on uh, Twitter lately. I didn't used to bother. Twitter was just a pain in the ass to me. So I was on Facebook a lot, uh, YouTube a ton, uh, almost every social media platform there is. I was on it, but I was kind of just shadow watching in the background. But I've become a lot more active on uh on social media, on Twitter these days. Uh, hopefully you want to give me a follow. It's at It's J Sheldon, I-T-S J Sheldon. If you want to follow me on Twitter, please do feel free. I think there's a link in the show notes also to my uh, Twitter account. So uh, please give me a follow over there. Um, what else have we got in the people are weird and sometimes stupid category? A uh, friend of mine, Joanna, uh, posted this earlier today. It's a public post, so, you know, I'm not giving away any secrets here. But this, you know, those those folks who take orders over the phone or online, some of the requests that these morons make are just beyond belief. 
you will not believe these. Check this out. This is, this is actually the customer request. Uh, dear uh, customer request, make the crust a little crispier than normal, but not too crispy. If that's not vague enough, make it like you're taking revenge on a cheating boyfriend, but you still want to reconcile in the not-so-distant future. Someone actually wrote this to a pizza delivery place. Make the crust crispy, but not too crispy. Okay, here's another one. <laughs> this one's actually cute. Customer request. The gate is tricky. Please don't break it. And the spider on the porch is called Frank. Please be nice to Frank. He guards the tomatoes. <laughs> man <laughs> I can, <laughs> if you have any of those if you work in the delivery business or the fast food or whatever business and you, you get these little customer requests if you have any weird ones please send them to me nopants at jsheldon.com is my email for the show and uh, I do get, I read all your emails thank you for those of you who have sent uh, sent them along Questions, answers, things you want to share, things you want me to share, just send them along to nopants at jshelton.com. Things like this, and uh, we'll we'll be sure and uh, and get them on the line. Hey, Serena, I got a great one for you here. As a matter of fact, my friend Alvin uh, shared this earlier today. Actually, it's a tweet from what is it, August of 2021, by uh, Martin Soot is his name, but man, does this say it all with regards to what's going on right now uh, and has been going on in my former country, the United States of America. By the way, correct me if I'm wrong, in Malay, Bahasa Malaysia, uh, they call the United States America's Sherikat. And if I'm not mistaken, the word Sherikat means company which is kind of like America, the company, the company of, which you know what, since pretty much the corporations run about everything, the word for the U.S., America, Sherikat, isn't that far from the truth. Think about it. If I'm wrong on that Malay, because my Malay sucks, correct me, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Here's a great one, great tweet. If the United States saw what the United States was doing in the United States. The United States would invade the United States to liberate the United States from the tyranny of the United States. Yeah. Truer words. Truer words, my friends. <laughs> I'm telling you. The more you think it can't get worse, and Australia's just trying hard to come up with the gold medal and take it away from the U.S. Oh, this is great. Uh, this was a Reddit, uh, what do you call Reddit tweet threads or something? Uh, whatever they're called on Reddit. I don't really follow Reddit much, but I do subscribe to a few of their threads. Um, <laughs> 
I kind of feel like I want to block out the address. So I'll just, I'll put part of the address there so you can see that this is actually a sign on somebody's front gate from Setiawan in, uh, in Malaysia. Check this out. This is the sign. Ah, okay. It has the person's address. The full address is there. I don't feel comfortable sharing the whole thing. But then at the bottom of the address, it says this. And you have to see the video because the spelling here is... I'll read it exactly the way it's written. All of you listen to me. Don't disturb here. I will call police catch you. Don't come to my bungalow house. Understand? Okay. I hate all of you. <laughs> I will give this guy credit for his honesty. But, I mean, if you went up to knock on this guy's door and you read that, I think you might think twice about ringing that doorbell. I hate all of you. Although I can tell you there have been days when I would have liked to have put that sign on my front gate. <laughs> I will call police, come catch you. I hate all of you. Very nice. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. I got one more here for you. <laughs> uh, oddly specific things that people miss from the pre-internet era. Now, this is not really people being weird or crazy or stupid. It's more, it's more things, actually, I, I can relate to quite a few of these, but it's a cool article, from, and I believe this will also be in our show notes, so you check out the show notes today, you can find the link directly to this article, it's from Ranker.com. Uh, oddly specific things pe people miss from, you remember the days before the internet, are you old enough? I think probably most of my audience is old enough to remember. Uh, the benefits of the internet are hard to miss. It allowed us to build new connections with people across the globe. In fact, as you are watching right now across all kinds of places on the planet. But there were days, and I remember them well, before we had the internet. And people listed some of the things that they missed the most about pre-internet days. Proper editing. All reading material would be spelled correctly and have correct grammar. The closest thing to social media was the letters to the editor section of the newspaper and magazines, and those were edited for grammar and spelling. Uh, letters. Boy, how true is that? Nobody, and I mean nobody that I know of, writes letters anymore. The memory of getting a letter in the mail addressed to you from whoever and opening it up and reading the letter. I haven't sent a letter since probably the early 80s and nor have I received one, but sending and receiving letters, that's something definitely, you don't think about it anymore really, but definitely something that you miss from the uh, good old days. Ah, uh, here's one, surprising rolls of film. We used to have, everybody has a junk drawer, which is kind of, you know, you have your silverware drawer and your utensils drawer. And I've got one drawer that's got medical supplies in it, one that has 
And one is a junk drawer. It's all the crap. You don't know where the hell else to put everything. And in that, I remember back in the, yeah, back in the 70s and 80s, when we all had, you know, rolls of Kodak film from the camera. And sometimes those rolls would wind up in the drawer and you didn't know what was on them. So you sent them off to get developed and got surprised by whatever might show up. <laughs> Often nothing because the film goes bad, but uh, those surprise rolls of film that never got developed and then you finally did get them developed and you found vacation pictures from 10 years ago or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, oh, here's one. Yeah, because you see, I grew up in my teenage years in the 70s. So all the bad stuff I did, there's no record of any of that. Yes. However, these days, you can't not have a record of anything. Everything you do will live forever on the internet. But that is something you miss from the good old days, not having everything on the record. And memorizing phone numbers. I... 603, no, 203-672-6017. I don't know what you're going to get if you call that these days, but that was my phone number growing up in Cornwall, Connecticut. 672-6017. Believe it or not, to this day, 50 years later, I still remember my phone number. <laughs> and I, 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 Probably if I tried really hard, I could remember one or two other of my friends. But um, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't David Heininger's 5505, 672-5505, something like that. Yeah, they're coming back to me now as I think about it. Because you had to memorize the phone numbers and you had to dial the numbers. And you had a cord attached to the phone, which was attached to the wall. I know. The good old days. All right, we're not going to spend any more time on that, but it's in my show notes tonight. Check out Ranker.com, uh, the things that people enjoy and remember from the days before the Internet, pre-Internet days. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we've got one or two more things, and then I'm going to move on to our uh, book tonight, The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. We're going to do about a half a chapter tonight because these later chapters in this book go on forever. They're so long. But anyway. All right. What else we got? Oh, here we go. Are you tired? I know. I look tired tonight, don't I? I look very tired. It's been a long week. But um, this was nice. I found this one inspirational thing that I thought I would share with you tonight before we move on to our book. And it's uh, it's quite nice, actually. It's from the Facebook page called Have You Ever Been So Lonely? So uh, check them out. Tip of the hat to them. Especially this day and age after we all have gone through and are hopefully just on the beginnings of the other side of this ridiculous pandemic crap. We're all tired. Really, we are. It's a hard road, but it's also a beautiful one. Perhaps we expect too much from ourselves and from others. Perhaps humanity can only make slow progress, like an inchworm. Perhaps we need to celebrate 
how far we've come and rest more and relish the simple pleasures and look for love everywhere. There's a river near where I live. It meanders slowly, peacefully. It doesn't ask itself why it isn't an ocean or a raging river or some other thing. It just surrenders to what it is. Maybe we just need to surrender to what we are. I think I will lie down tomorrow beside the river and take a rest and sweet surrender. Nice. I like that. thought it was inspirational, so I thought I would uh, pass that along to you. Cool beans. All right, why did this suddenly get so bright? I turned the brightness down and it keeps popping back up again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right, what else have we got? Oh, I know. We have a book to read. Cool. Yeah, it's H.G. Wells. It's The War of the Worlds. And if I'm not mistaken, we are on chapter 15. Yeah, chapter, wow, chapter 15. Uh, I didn't look ahead, so I don't know how many chapters there are in this book. But um, give me half a second here so that I can get everything coordinated. All right. And a sip of coffee. And then we're ready to go. It's H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, first published in 1897. The Martians have been advancing, and uh, chapter 15 is called what had happened in Surrey. It was while the curate had sat and talked so wildly to me under the hedge in that flat meadow near Halliford, and while my brother was watching the fugitive steams, streams over Westminster Bridge, that the Martians had resumed the offensive. So far as one can ascertain from the conflicting accounts that have been put forth, the majority of them remained busied with preparations in the horsel pit until nine that night, hurrying on some operation that disengaged huge volumes of green smoke. But three certainly came out about eight o'clock, and, advancing slowly and cautiously, made their way through Byfleet and Pyreford towards Ripley and Weybridge, and so came in sight of the expectant batteries against the setting sun. These Martians did not advance in a body, but in a line, each perhaps a mile and a half from his nearest fellow. They communicated with another by means of siren-like howls, running up and down the scale from one note to another. It was this howling, and the firing of the guns at Ripley and St. George's Hill that we had heard at Upper Halliford. The Ripley gunners, unseasoned artillery volunteers, who ought never to have been placed in such a position, fired one wild, premature, ineffectual volley and bolted on horse and foot through the deserted village, while the Martian, without using his heat ray, walked serenely over the guns, stepped gingerly among them, and passed in front of them, and so came unexpectedly 
upon the guns in Paines Hill Park, which he destroyed. The St. George's Hill men, however, were better led or of a better metal. Hidden by a pine wood as they were, they seemed to have been quite unsuspected by the Martian nearest to them. They laid their guns as deliberately as if they had been on parade and fired at about a thousand yards range. The shells flashed all round him, and he was seen to advance a few paces, stagger, and go down. Everybody yelled together, and the guns were reloaded in frantic haste. The overthrown Martians set up a prolonged ululation, and immediately, by a second glittering giant answering him, appeared over the trees to the south. It would seem that a leg of the tripod had been smashed by one of the shells. The whole of the second volley flew wide of the Martian on the ground, and simultaneously both his companions brought their heat rays to bear on the battery. The ammunition blew up. The pine trees all about the guns flashed into fire, and only one or two of the men who were already running over the hill of the escaped. After this, it would seem that the three took counsel together and halted, and then the scouts who were watching them report that they had remained absolutely stationary for the next half an hour. The Martian who'd been overthrown crawled tediously out of his hood, a small brown figure, oddly suggestive from that distance of a speck of blight, and apparently engaged in the repair of his support. About nine he'd finished, for his cowl was then seen above the trees again. It was a few minutes past nine that night, when these three sentinels were joined by four other Martians, each carrying a thick black tube. A similar tube was handed to each of the three, and the seven proceeded to distribute themselves at equal distances along a curved line between St. George's Hill, Weybridge, and the village of Send, southwest of Ripley. A dozen rockets sprang out of the hills before them so soon as they began to move and warned the waiting batteries about Ditton and Escher. At the same time, four of their fighting machines, similarly armed with tubes, crossed the river, and two of them, black against the western sky, came into sight of myself and the curate as we hurried wearily and painfully along the road that runs northward out of Halliford. They moved, as it seemed to us, upon a cloud, for a milky mist covered the fields and rose to a third of their height. At this sight, the curate finally cried faintly in his throat and began running. But I knew it was no good running from a Martian. I turned aside and crawled through dewy nettles and brambles into the broad ditch by the side of the road. He looked back, saw what I was doing, and hurried to join me. The two halted, the nearer to us, standing and facing Sunbury, the remoter being a grey indistinctness towards the evening star, away from Staines. The occasional howling of the Martians had ceased. They took up their positions in the huge crescent about their cylinders in absolute silence. 
It was a crescent with twelve miles between its horns. Never since the devising of gunpowder was the beginning of a battle so still. To us and to an observer about Ripley, it would have had precisely the same effect. The Martian seemed in solitary possession of the darkling night, lit only as it was by the slender moon, the stars, the afterglow of the daylight, and the ruddy glare from St. George's Hill and the woods of Painshill. But facing that crescent everywhere, at Staines, Hunslow, Ditton, Escher, Ockham, behind hills and woods south of the river, and across the flat grass meadows to the north of it, wherever a cluster of trees or village houses gave sufficient cover, the guns were waiting. The signal rockets burst and rained their sparks through the night and vanished, and the spirit of all those watching batteries rose to a tense expectation. The Martians had but to advance into the line of fire, and instantly those motionless black forms of men, those guns glittering so darkly in the early night, would explode into a thunderous fury of battle. No doubt the thought that was uppermost in a thousand of those vigilant minds, even as it was uppermost in mine, was the riddle how much they understood of us. Did they grasp that we and our millions were organized, disciplined, working together? Or did they interpret our spurts of fire, the sudden stinging of our shells, our steady investment of their encampment, as we should the furious unanimity of onslaught in a disturbed hive of bees? Did they dream they might exterminate us? At that time, no one knew what food they needed. A hundred such questions struggled together in my mind as I watched the vast sentinel shape. And in the back of my mind was the sense of all the huge unknown and hidden forces Londonward. Had they prepared pitfalls? Were the powder mills at Hunslow ready as a snare? Would the Londoners have a heart and courage to make a greater Moscow of their mighty province of houses? Then, after an indeterminate time, as it seemed to us, crouching and peering through the hedge, came a sound like the distant concussion of a gun, another nearer, and then another, and then... The Martian beside us raised his tube on high and discharged it, gunwise, with a heavy report that made the ground heave. The one toward Staines answered him. There was no flash, no smoke, simply that loaded detonation. And that's where we will leave it or tonight. I warned you, these chapters are really long, so we're going to cut this one in half. That's about halfway through, and I think a good spot to uh, to call it a night. But uh, yeah, H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. We're about halfway through this book, by the way. And I don't know what book we're going to do next. We'll figure that out when we get there. All right.
Cool beans. Hey, thanks so much for joining us tonight. If you'd like to support the show, head to patreon.com slash jsheldon. You will find us there, and uh, you can give us a small, small amount of support, uh, all the way up to a large amount in which you'll get some voiceover services from me. Or uh, also, there's a way to access all of our books, all the classic books we've read, in simply the book part of our show. It's all been cut out and edited, so you just get to follow along chapter by chapter of all the great books, The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Peter Pan, uh, you name it. We've done a bunch of books here, and we'll have The War of the Worlds up as soon as we're finished reading it. So, cool beans. All right, guys, thanks again very much. I will see you Monday night, 10 p.m. Malaysian time for another live stream. And I'm not wearing pants. That's going to do it. Thanks for joining us tonight, folks, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until then, of course, I am Jay Sheldon, and I am not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs>